What's up, everybody? Good morning. For those of you who are here for the first time, my name is Alvin. I serve as lead pastor here at the church. So glad to see everybody here. Merry Christmas to everybody. Everyone's looking pretty Christmassy in here, and the music helped, and the decoration. I'm just feeling all the all the warm and fuzzies, I guess. But I'm um, glad to be here. Um, we are, man, this year is closing out. This is our third Sunday in the new building. Very great. We've been waiting for this day for a long time, and it's just crazy to be here. We're calling it the soft opening because this floor is actually where the children will be worshiping, and we're going to be upstairs hopefully in about eight weeks' time. Um, and we'll call that our grand opening. So we're still in the soft opening stage, but uh, I'm looking forward to us being up there. But in the meantime, this is great right now. I'm loving it. Loving it. Uh, last week was our second week, but for first week, Two weeks ago was uh, Zeal for the House. We had our Zeal for the House offering, which um, the giving has been great, and it's still coming. We're, we're actually leaving it open one more Sunday before Christmas. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the Zeal for the House offering, it's the end-of-the-year offering where everyone can just assess their hearts and their zeal for what the Lord is doing in this house, and they give um, a special offering above what you regularly would give with your tithe and with your offering. And what this is special about is, uh, in addition to helping us finish this building, we're taking a portion of the Zeal for the House offering, and we are partnering up with Paragon Mills Elementary School, which is a school a few miles down this way south on Nolensville Road. And, man, I've been talking with our team, and we're talking with them. And with this money, like, we are not only, uh, well, a few things we're doing. We're blessing the faculty and staff with a big welcome back breakfast and high-end coffee, which is better than what they were getting in their uh, faculty room. Uh, we're just going to bless them, Nashville life to them, letting them know that we support them. And we're also making personalized cards for each faculty member, giving them a word of encouragement, letting them know that there's a church up the road praying for them. And then we also get to give gift cards for each teacher to upgrade their classroom for the kids. So I am so grateful that there's a community that's going to know that there's a church up the road loving them and praying for them. And, hey, maybe we'll see some of them over here. So uh, that's really cool. So please give to that. We're staying open for another week. So if you uh, want to give to the Zeal for the House, just specify that on your offering card or when you give online, and we'll be really grateful. Uh, we also have Friday afternoon, our Christmas Eve service. Like we mentioned, please come. We're going to do a candlelight service and sing songs and read scriptures, and it'll just be a great way to be together before we celebrate Christmas. And then uh, you also saw that we're kicking off our year with uh, Daniel's fast. We're praying for 21 days and fasting. And... Um, for those of you who are a little nervous, we are not going 21 days without food. It's just limited uh, options. Uh, so if you want to get more information, just text 21FAST, 21FAST to 77411, and we can give you the details on how the fast works. Uh, we're going to be coming together to pray, more getting into the word, because I don't know about you guys, but we're, we're kind of in a shaky time uh, in every regard. I think nationally, I think personally, I think a lot of relationships are just really shaky, and I think these are the times where, the, where God's people need to be more planted than, than ever before. I think we need to really be sober. I think we really need to be clear-headed, and that comes through prayer and fasting. The Lord actually has ordained these two things to give us clarity of mind so we can accurately discern what he's saying to us 
and get past all the riffraff of what's going on emotionally and mentally and socially. Um, so we are excited to get into this time, and we welcome all of you with us, even if you don't really come to Nashville Life, join us in prayer and fasting, and uh, I think it's going to bless all of us. But we're still in 2021. We're not there yet. So let's, let's finish this year strong. Uh, let's get into the Word of God. Let's get into the Word of God. Uh, I love getting into the Word of God. I love music. I'm a singer. I'm a uh, writer. But I don't know. The more I get into the Word, the more I just really love the time that we get to dig into Scripture. And I think it's really what's going to set us free. It's going to equip us for all that's ahead because there's a lot ahead. Um, us and I'm ready. So let's let's say this declaration together. Repeat these words after me if you can. Say the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So 2021, the theme for Nashville Life was I'm a life giver. I'm a life giver was the theme for our whole church. I really wanted everyone to grab hold of this during 2021. And it's inspired by the story of Joseph where he led Egypt to store up vats and vats of grain for the world that had this huge famine. There was a worldwide famine that hit every nation. And the only place it could come get grain was in Egypt because of this storehouse that was built under the leadership of Joseph. Uh, and... I believe that that was a foreshadowing of what we're experiencing today. I believe there is a famine of life. There is a famine of hope. There is a famine of peace, of truth. And I believe that the only place that the world can get those things is the body of Christ. I believe the church, which is the hands and feet of Jesus, we are the source of life. We are the source of life for this worldwide famine that's happening where people are void of truth. They're void of love. When I say love, I mean real love. They're void of insight, of direction, and all these things are in the house of God. So as the church, we have a responsibility to not just attend, but to also be a source of this life for those who are in need. The life that we're talking about is Jesus. Jesus famously said uh, in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So the series that we're on for December is called Jesus the Life. And the key word is the life. There's a difference between a life and the life. All of us have a life. But Jesus makes it very clear, though there's a lot of lives out here, there's only one the life. And that is him. And that's what he comes to bring and restore to us. Um, we covered the first week, the reason why the word life can be a little bit confusing because a lot of us would say, well, you don't need Jesus to be alive. Like, there's so many non-believers, so many non-Christians that, that have life. They're breathing. They're going to work. They're having families. They're making money. You know, they're, they're doing, creating great art. They're leading big corporations. Tons of people with life don't have Jesus. So how is Jesus the life if someone can have life without Jesus? Um, and there's an explanation for that. The, the, the New Testament is... Uh, was originally written in Greek. And for the word life, there's actually three different words in Greek that bring up, that, that translate as life. One is bios, which is the biological life. The other one is suche, which is the soul life, the emotions, the will. And then there's zoe life, and div the divine life. And two of these things can function without 
Jesus. And that is biological life, and that's a suche life, which means you don't have to be a Christian to be breathing. You don't have to be a Christian to have emotions and to think. But you have to know Jesus to have this Zoe life. The Zoe life was what was taken from man, man, mankind when they ate of the fruit. They died to life with God, the spiritual life, the eternal life. And since then, humanity has been trying their best to survive off these first two, but missing this. And when Jesus comes into our life, he restores Zoe life, divine life, life that transcends the time that we're on this earth, life that goes into eternity. So when we say you have to have life without, uh, you can't have life without Jesus, we're talking about the, the fullness of life, the abundant life, the promised life that Jesus brought and gave to us on the cross. I want to talk a little bit more about just what distinguishes Jesus from all the other lives that are out there. He's very different, just so you guys know. Jesus, he is man, and that's why we connect with him, but he's not only man. He's God as well, and there's the God component that is foreign to us. We can relate to him as human, but when it comes to the divine part, that's where we're like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Because God's ways are different than our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. So when we connect with Jesus, it's awesome that we can connect with him as a human. But we can't just stop at the human connection. We have to actually learn to explore what makes him divine so that we can take part and share in that divine life. Because that's the whole point of salvation. So we can share in the divine life. Uh, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 28. I'm going to talk about three different ways that he is distinguished from the rest of mankind. And the first one is shared in this message that Gabriel, the angel, gives to the virgin Mary before the birth of Jesus. Verse 28 says, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be a very, sorry, he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. Ever, his kingdom will never end. Forever, his kingdom will never end. So, just like I was saying, there's a difference between a life and the life, there is a difference between a king and the king. And I'm not talking about Elvis for all of you uh, fans out there. Um, Jesus is. The king of all kings, which means whenever we hear that term king of kings, it's implying that there's a, there's a lot of kings out there. Tribes, nations, empires. There's been millions of kings throughout history. But there's one thing that distinguishes all of those kings, even the greatest of the great, and King Jesus. And that is they had a, a reign that was only temporary. Their kingdom and their rule lasted for a period of time, but it was either due to death, being overthrown by another country or nation that challenged them, or succession. Some, for one reason or another, every king had a limited run, a limited run in that level of authority. 
And what distinguishes Jesus from every other king is that unlike any of these other kings, no matter how great, what distinguishes him is the longevity of his reign. It is, there's no expiration date. There's no time where his term is up. Uh, there is no succession plan. He is king forever. His rule will last forever. And that is what separates him from any other person who's been appointed king. Let's talk about another way that he's distinguished, but this time it's going to be a little bit of a different analogy. And this is a wonderful story that I'm going to spend most of my time on today. And many of you guys have heard of it, and it's a time where Jesus has an encounter with a woman that is coming to draw water from the well. And if you read into it, you'll know that she was drawing water at the time that no one else drew water. It was Usually you would do it in the cool of the day or towards the evening, and she was doing it right at peak hour, like right when the sun was the hottest. And she was kind of all alone and a little bit of an outcast, and, and Jesus has this encounter with her, and he's going to describe something that's going to show another way that he is so separate and so different than anything else we've ever met or encountered. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 13 through 14. So he's talking with this woman. And Jesus answered and said to her, this woman, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give, I mean, that, uh, yeah, that I shall give him will never thirst. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. So we see another distinction. We see, you know, at first I talked about life and then the life. And then I talked about kings and then the king, and now Jesus is bringing another distinction between water that comes from the well, which is what we know as H2O, and then the water that he gives. And he's trying to let us know that there's a major difference in one water versus the water that he's offering. And you'll see, just like with life, just like with the king analogy, the difference is longevity. What separates a life from the life is our lives are temporal. And we expire at some point or another due to either old age or uh, sickness or an accident. But the life of Jesus is eternal. Kings, you can rule for a certain amount of time, but there's going to come a time where that kingdom, that reign has to end. His reign lasts forever. He says the same thing with water. He goes, there is water that you guys are used to drinking that will quench you temporarily. But there's a water that I give that will quench you forever. It will quench your thirst forever, and you will never grow thirsty again. With this water, after a few hours, you need another drink. But with this water, he goes, there's something about what I give that will keep you quenched the whole time. You will never find yourself being parched ever again. So he goes further on to talk about it. He goes, but the water that I shall give him will become in him, can everyone say in him, a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. There goes that longevity word again. This is always a matter of longevity. If you guys want a temporary fix, you don't have to have Jesus for that. There are so many options for temporary fixes. I believe you guys are here because you want something that lasts. I believe that you guys are here because you're tired of the temporary. You're tired of the things that expire so quickly. You want something that actually can sustain you. 
And Jesus goes, I got you. Everlasting. That means it will always last. Again, guys, he's offering us longevity. He's offering us something that will sustain. And the way he does it, he says, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into life or to everlasting life. The reason why the water that Jesus gives is forever quenching is because he doesn't just give us water. He gives us a fountain. There's a difference between receiving a glass of water, something that is an external cup full of water, and you drinking it and the water getting inside of you. That's nice. I'm not doubting that. Thank God that we have bottles of water and glasses of water. That's a good thing. But Jesus goes, I'm going a step further. And I'm not just going to give you guys an external cup of water, something that you're going to have to need another external cup of water, and then keep on I'm going to actually go on the inside and plant you your own personal fountain, a fountain that springs up water to where you'll be receiving water from the inside out, opposed to the outside in. This is very different. This is why we have to really learn Jesus because he's so different. He's like us in a lot of ways, but he's so different than us in a lot of ways. Let's keep going. Let's talk about how he gets on the inside because Jesus has to first get access to the inside for that fountain of water to get planted so that you can spring out the living water that he's talking about. So he has to first get there. He's Talking about, we, uh, we, uh, we're having internet problems over on this side of the building, and someone had to come and put in an access point for the internet to reach this part of the building. Jesus needs access points. He can't do things without access to a certain point of your life, a part of your life. So when it comes to reaching the inside, the place where he has to actually plant the fountain, he has to get there first. And depending on the person, that's a little bit of a challenge but uh, Jesus is up for the challenge. Lord knows he was up for it with me. I was just as stubborn, just as resistant, just as I had so many walls, walls of shame, walls of condemnation, walls of pride. And thank God Jesus kept pursuing access to my heart. We're going to see how he got access to this woman. Verse 15 through 18 of the same chapter, John 4. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Basically, make it to where I don't have to show up peak hour of the sun every day coming and drawing water. I would love to have a break from that. I would love to not have to see these people dodging people. This woman will find out she had a little bit of a reputation, and she didn't really want to be around a lot of people. So the idea that she could get water without having to show her face to people that she had a bad reputation with sounded great. She's like, sign me up. His response, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. Now, I can guarantee you this caught her off guard. <laughs> I can guarantee you that 
The last thing she expected when asking God for some water was a deep dive into her personal love life and her relationship history, things that she was deeply ashamed of, which why I actually think that she showed up and went to get water during peak hour because, I mean, during the sun being up because no one was getting water during that time. And when you had a past like her, it was difficult to interact with people that you know are talking about you, that you know are going, you know, who's she with this day? You remember she was with that person? Who's, who's that kid? You know, all that kind of stuff. She didn't want to deal with that. And Jesus goes straight to the one area that she was probably most ashamed about. And it's important for us to know this about Jesus. Confrontation is not the same as condemnation. I feel like our world and our generation needs to hear that. Guys, if you make com- being confronted synonymous with being condemned, you are going to get so stuck in life, no one's going to have access to any part of you that matters. You can't have access, you can't make contact until there's access. And if you associate being confronted with areas of your life with being condemned, then you're going to always keep a wall up, and Jesus is actually never going to be able to get to that access point. I'm so grateful that this woman took the sting and the shock of, whoa, you're really coming for my, this is my business, this is my life. But I'm so glad that she didn't resist and she continued because what happened is he was able to reach what's going on on the inside. I want to tell you guys the difference between, I told you guys the difference between a life versus the life. I told you guys the difference between a king and the king. The difference between water from the well and water that comes from Jesus is water from the well goes from the outside in. Water from the well, someone gave me a drink of water right now, that's an external situation that's coming onto the inside. That's how we're used to receiving water. Water from Jesus works a little bit differently. It goes from the inside out. Which is why the first step in addressing that, that uh, to meeting the woman's request to receive the water, he didn't go, okay, wait one second, let me go get the water. Here's the water. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I have this water that will never make me thirsty again. Because that would have been an external act. That would have been how we're used to receiving water. He, he goes, okay, well, if you want the water, I've got to go to the inside of what's going on in your life. I've got to reach the... He, he doesn't do this. What Jesus does, Jesus, let's say this is me, and I'm Jesus. Jesus doesn't go, here's water. He goes, here's water. And he starts letting it flow out of you. He gets, so, but, he, but he has to get to the access point. Now, the reason why it's a challenge for Jesus to get to the depths of our hearts, and including this woman, is because we have walls. And of all the walls that we have, I don't think there's a single wall stronger than the wall of shame. Which is why some of you guys 
are confused. Like, why is Jesus always trying to get to that part? Why can't you talk about this part of my life? Because he already has access to those parts. He's interested in the place that you say no one can get past this. He, he wants to make an A-line straight to the part that you said no one can go here because of the shame. It is a reason why Jesus addressed the area that she was probably the most ashamed about because that was the place that got to the most intimate place of who she, where she is and who she is. And it's almost like a... If you want to make the biggest impact, you've got to get to the depths of a situation. And the Lord wants to plant that fountain of water in the deepest part of your heart. He wants to plant it in the depths of your heart. Because if it's just a surface thing, it won't really reach the same way that the deep things can reach. He is about that deep work. And when he reaches that deep work, it's not to condemn you, but it's to plant life there. This woman in this area of her life, it was dark and it was gloomy and it was, it was isolated. And the Lord wanted to break that isolation and put something living in there. And that's why he went to her heart. The heart is the most strategic place to reach a person. And this is both, and both sides know this, just so you know. Satan knows this. And God knows us. They know the most valuable, most strategic place to reach a person's life is their heart. And the reason why is because Scripture says the heart is the, is the springboard of everything that flows from our life. Every issue from our life comes from our heart. Every issue from our life flows from the heart. So just so you guys know, there is a, uh, a race for your heart. This is why the Lord says you got you to guard it. Because the kingdom of darkness is going, if I can just get to Alvin's heart, we got him. Forget, every, forget his elbows, forget his shoulders, forget his back, forget his voice. If I can just get to his heart, because why? The, the enemy knows that from the heart flows all the issues of life. Same with Jesus. If I can just get to Alvin's heart. Not, not only will what he's asking for would change, but every area of his life will, will, will change in result of reaching the heart. So the same thing with this woman. He went to the depths of her heart. That was the first thing he asked. He didn't even waste time. He went straight to, let's talk about these husbands. Let's talk about the, the hurt and shame that's probably from all of these relationships. Can you imagine the heartbreak? Vow after vow after vow. Promise after promise from a guy, I'm going to love you forever, I'm going to love you. Betrayal after betrayal, affair after affair, whatever was going on. Can you imagine the, the buildup of callous, the buildup of harm and hurt and trauma? He goes, man, we got to get to there. Let's talk about it, which is what some of y'all need to start doing as well. You got to start talking about it. You got to start talking about those areas. You got to start giving Jesus access to those areas. Because when those doors are open, then he'll be able to plant that fountain that he was talking about. And from the most dead part of your heart will flow springs of living water. And you will actually experience supernatural life in the areas that had no access to it for years. It's a wonderful thing that happens. I've seen it happen in my life. I've seen it happen in so many others. This is still happening. Jesus is finding access points 
But to get to the depth, he usually has to go through the area where there's shame. I'm letting you guys know, if there's active shame still in your life, there could very well be a blockage from the Lord reaching the depths of your heart. And he's saying, if you want the rivers of living water flowing out of you, if you want to never thirst again, let's talk about it. Let's talk about that, that thing, that thing that you've been saying, no, 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 not that. Jesus goes, yes, that. And it's not to, it's not to harm you. It's not con- to condemn you. It's not to punish you. It's to do something that you won't even really expect, and that's Revelations chapter 3.20. Revelations chapter 3.20. When Jesus reaches that place, he goes, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I believe the door is a metaphor for our hearts, the depths of who we are. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, opens your heart, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. He wants to go to that area and actually have intimate time with you. He wants to share a meal with you. He wants to connect with you. He wants to share with you. He wants you to share with him. I just feel so strongly that many of us, particularly the Christians in this room, we're not experiencing the depth and the intimacy that Jesus actually had in mind when he went to the cross. I believe that we can ask the Lord to be our Savior, and I believe it happens. However, there's one thing to be a Christian. There's another thing to Jesus, for Jesus to have access to the depths of your heart. Have all the doors in your heart been opened to Jesus? Or are there still those, that, those, no, those no crossing zones? Jesus wants to reach, get past that no crossing zone. But he's not, that's the thing about Jesus. He's not going to bombard you. He, as persistent and as strong as he is, Jesus has never kicked down a door to somebody's heart. He doesn't go, I'm coming in whether you want me to come in or not. That's just not his character. He waits. I'm here, sermon after sermon. I'm here, revelation after revelation. I'm here. I'm here. It is not until... We hear the voice and willingly open the heart. We have to say, Jesus, I'll let you there. I'll let you talk to me about this part that happened to me so long ago. Something that I suppressed for years, something that I would never talk about ever again. The stuff I said, that area that I said no one will ever reach that part of me. Because more than anything, you were hurt in a space. This woman was hurt a lot. You don't go through five husbands and not experience a lot of hurt. But what happens is when we experience hurt, we go, no one's ever going to reach this place of my heart again. And we start, to self, we start to self-protect. And we build our own man-made walls like the fig leaves of Adam and Eve. We make our own man-manufactured walls. And we think we're protecting ourselves from all the bad, but we end up protecting ourselves from the good as well. And when Jesus comes, the one who wants to eat with us, we go, I've already built these walls. So that's, that's the door I believe he's knocking on. I want to get there. When we open, he comes in, and he rearranges things. He, he changes things. Some of the things are very uncomfortable. There's a lot about sharing in the cup of Jesus. There's a lot of glory in it, but there's some suffering as well. I don't want to paint an unrealistic picture. It is not just 
you know, it's sweet and it's good because you're with Jesus, but he confronts. You might have areas of your heart confronted that no one ever has in a long time or ever. And transformation happens. Transformation of the heart. Paul describes it as circumcision, which obviously is a painful word, but that's, that's what happens to our heart when we dine with Jesus. Things get cut away. Things get torn down. Things get moved out of the way. He starts to do surgery on our hearts. He's got a scalpel. And he begins to cut. And he begins to rearrange. And it's a surgery that happens. And it stings, but, man, the outcome is incredible. The outcome is, oh, my gosh. Have you ever had a crick in your neck or something and someone, like, rearranges it? Like, for a second, it's like, ah! And then it's like, oh, my gosh, I feel so good. That's basically what the circumcision of the heart feels like. It is, ooh, oh, I didn't know my heart could be this free. I didn't know I could have experience in this area that I was afraid of and ashamed of for so long and actually feel free and, and unashamed. I didn't know this was possible. But so often the, the fear of what that cut's going to feel like keeps us still going to H2O, the temporary water, still trying to find temporary fixes, still calling temporary kings the kings of our lives, missing out on the eternal, missing out on the longevity that Jesus gives us. With Jesus, guys, it's like short-term pain, long-term blessings. With the world, it's short-term blessings, pleasure, long-term suffering. I don't know about you guys, but I'll take the, I'll take the first. Give me the cut now. Make me cry now so I can dance and sing forever. I don't want to dance and sing now and cry forever. No thanks. And that's the deception of the world. The world is signing up for the dance and party now. And they'll suffer for eternity. The church, we're the ones going, okay, God, cut me. Ah, yikes. But hallelujah for eternity. We will be in the land of milk and honey, dancing, singing, free. I'd rather take that. I'd rather take the ouch now and the glory forever than the forever ouch. Hell is a forever ouch. No thank you. I'd rather be confronted now on this end and be sweet with Jesus later than to avoid the confrontation to when it's too late. Because everybody will be confronted. But let's be confronted now while we can repent, while we can be healed. This is wisdom, guys. Wisdom is always the long-term route. Wisdom is almost like saving money. Like you might miss out on some cool things now, but wisdom says let me miss out on a few things now so that I'll have enough money when I'm, you know, 70 and 80. My kids can have, you know, that's, that's it's the same concept. Foolishness is party now, worry about it later. Wisdom is think about it now so you can party later. It's all connected. I really want to drive this home before we end of this, this concept of the inside out. There's several scriptures. I picked out a few just to reaffirm and re, 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 uh, yeah, restate how when Jesus is giving us blessings, he works from the inside out opposed to the outside in. 
John 7, verse 38, Jesus says, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And the key word here is out. Sometimes I think, again, the way we're used to living, the way that we're used to receiving blessings, we read this as if it says, into his heart will flow rivers of living water. And we find ourselves every Sunday, flow into me, flow into me, Jesus, flow, flow into me, flow into me. And it's, it's religious and it's culturally right, but it's, it's actually, you're, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. Because scripturally, he goes, you've done, do, basically do a work in me so the rivers can flow out. This is why we'll never thirst again, because rivers will be flowing out of us. We won't have to say, give me water, because we'll be the source of water. We won't have to say, give me, give me a handout, give me a handout, because the handouts will be in us, and we'll be handing out. That's actually how our salvation and our purpose is activated, by things go- coming from the inside out. Matthew 15, 11, Jesus says this. He goes, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth defiles a man. And, of course, it's talking about defiling, which is a negative thing, but it's the same concept. Jesus puts a lot more emphasis of what comes out of us than what comes in. And I know that's different because we're used to everything being based on the external. But Jesus goes, I'm different. And I start from the inside out. Romans 10, 9, even salvation. Salvation is even received by something coming out of us. Because if you confess, confession means, that's an expression. Expression means out. Impression is in. X is out. When you confess, you are expressing something. Something's coming from the inside out. Every time we talk, sound is coming out. Our thoughts are coming out. The Bible says out of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Speaking is an outward thing. It's something coming from the inside, whether it's your thoughts or your feelings or your song or whatever coming out. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is how salvation occurs. So belief has to happen in your heart. And, you, and belief comes by hearing the word of God. So you guys are hearing the word of God. You're hearing that Jesus is Lord. You're hearing that he raised from the grave. And something happens on the inside. Something happens on the inside. A belief forms on the inside. And then once that belief is there, that belief has to come out via confession. That's why confession is even built in, in the salvation plan. Things have to come out. And that's what activates it. That's what makes it real. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord. What? Say so. It's got to come out. That's what activates it. Some of us are just like, just keep flowing to me and it'll happen. Keep, keep, keep talking to me, God. It'll happen. You confess to me and I just receive, I just receive. And the Lord's going, no, no. This is, you believe and then you confess. It has to come out and that's what makes the flow start. And the flow starts, I'm a living witness, even when it comes to, for my experience, my experience, uh, I've shared this before, and this is kind of jumping topics, but uh, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I was speaking in tongues, 
which we believe in here, just in case you're wondering what this church is about. We believe in that. We believe it's real. We believe it's a blessing, a blessing not only to the one speaking, but a blessing to the kingdom of God. So here I am. I'm going, waiting for this thing to happen because I grew up in a church where they did it. And I just thought, like, if God's going to, I mean, some of us have said this, if God wants to happen to me, he's going to make it happen. And, you know, I would sit there. I was waiting to receive it. I was waiting for it. The picture I had in my mind was that it was going to just happen to me, and I was just going to do it. Like, I thought it was just, boom, and then, oh, oh, my God. So, like, and that's what I was expecting. That's always what I've expected. Because that's how I watched it, again, outside in. When I'm looking at everybody else, I just thought everybody was just being, I don't know, possessed or something. It was weird. Um, but I was like, I want to receive this, you know. So, guys, year after year, 14, I went down to the altar. Nothing happened. 14, went down to the altar. Nothing happened. 15, 16, nothing happened. 17, nothing happened. I'm mad now at this point. I'm, just, I'm convinced God doesn't want me to have it. I've already built a theology that it's not for me. Um, all, the, all these kind of things. Because, again, self-protection. It's more self-preservation for me, to, for me to believe that I'm not supposed to have it makes it hurt less. Because God's not rejecting me. I'm just not supposed to have it, right? I had to get rid of that. Because was, I was ashamed that I would go back to my seat and this guy would be speaking tongues and she was speaking tongues. And I would go back to my seat feeling like I got left out. And after a while, you start building walls, right? I had a wall. So I'm going down there, I'm like, oh, man, Ugh, like, come on, come on. And I was praying with this lady, and she said, uh, she just said, no English, no English, just start talking, no, no English. And basically, I had to believe that it was already done. Believe in your heart and then confess. I had to believe, because the scripture says if you ask, it will be given. So this is, I had to believe, okay, it's already been given. So instead of saying I'll receive it, it'll happen once I receive it, I had to believe I received it, therefore I can. Which is a very different thing. It sounds subtle, but it's super different than waiting for something to happen and then being it happen. Almost like salvation. Like that's how salvation works. You have to believe you have it and then you confess, right? I believe I'm saved, therefore I'm going to say I'm saved. I believe that I've been given this, therefore... And guys, I just said, let me just, let me just express something. Instead of waiting for incoming, let me express it. So a couple syllables came out. The most, to this day, probably the most awkward situation I've ever had in my life. About three or four syllables, just, I sounded like a complete idiot. And no one could hear me. I was just, I could barely hear myself. It was just like, it was awful. But then syllable number five, guys, you would have thought that I have been doing this all my life. And the best way I can describe it, this before I even knew the scripture, it was like a river flowing out of my life. And I'm bringing it up, not necessarily to get everyone speaking in tongues, even though you're welcome, to, however, the concept of instead of waiting the river to flow into me, I had to believe that the river was in and then let it flow out of me. 
Remember, the water from the well is the outside in. The water from Jesus is the inside out. The things that you're asking God to do in your life, you have to believe in your heart that he's done it, and then it comes out of your life through your confession, through your actions. It's because you believe that he saved you that you then begin to walk out your repentance and start to obey God. That's an external act. You don't obey God and then get saved. You believe that you're saved and then obey God. You have to believe that it's done on the inside first, and then your mouth has to reflect what you believe, and then your actions will start to reflect what you believe. And we see this concept throughout the entire faith journey. He goes, it has to be conceived. That's why we have this. That's why I say the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it. Your heart has to conceive the word first before you act it out. Otherwise, it becomes religious, it becomes man-made, it becomes performance. It has to be conceived in your heart first, and then it will flow. And this is how Jesus works, ladies and gentlemen. This is how he operates. He goes to the inside first. He does a work in your heart. He comes and has a little meal with you in the areas that you feel like, man, that talk about shame. Jesus had to confront the area when I was talking about when I was spoken tongues. I was so that was seven, seven, eight years of shame. Thinking that I just I just didn't work. He didn't give it to me. He doesn't want I, I guess I've created done too many bad sins. I don't know. All kinds of beliefs. You know, you know what you know the way our minds work. We can really just self-condemn like crazy. And I but he had to he had to knock on that area of shame and say, let me, can I come in? I was like, all right, and then boom, rivers of living water, and those, that water is still flowing, and if you guys want to receive the rivers of living water through Jesus Christ, you can receive it today. Let them conceive something in your heart, and then you got to start expressing it. you got to confess them. So let's, let's, let's pray, and then I'm going to ask us all to confess the lordship of Jesus because that's what's going to activate the rivers of living water. Um, let me pray. Father, I thank you for revealing to us how you bless us. Lord, many of us, it's like we've been ships passing in the night. You want to bless us and we want to be blessed, but since we don't know how it's done, we've been, we've been missing it. We've been missing it, God, and I thank you for this time to remind us that the way you work is from the inside out. God, so even though we have all types of external, external requests, there's requests for finances, there's requests for physical healing, there's requests for reconciliation and relationships, uh, location, job opportunities. There's uh, endless lists of external needs represented in this room. And Lord, I actually believe according to your word, you want to meet those needs. But God, let us learn from the woman at the well. That in order to meet those external needs, you first, you first address the heart. You're concerned with what's going on on the inside. We as people, we're more concerned with the external. It's just, the, it's just what we, it's just our nature, God. But, but you are different, and you're concerned with what's happening on the inside. And Lord, more specifically, and I say this with sensitivity, Lord, I believe that you're concerned with the areas that we're the most ashamed about. Not because you're mad at us, but those areas, the walls have been built to where you can't touch the way you want to touch there. God, so I pray, Lord, that every single person receives grace right now 
to trace back to the areas that they've made off limits for, for years, some of us. And Lord, help us to see the image of you knocking on that area, knocking on that door. And your word says that if we hear your voice and if we open up that part of our heart, open up that door, you'll come in and not judge us, not condemn us, but you'll eat with us. You'll share a drink and share food with us. You'll commune with us. You'll connect with us. Lord, that's just the word that I feel is you're saying that you want to connect with us in those areas that we've made off limits to even you. Lord, so give us the grace, give us the courage to, to acknowledge those areas and to let your spirit in. Lord, because there you will plant a fountain and like your word says, it'll spring up water everlasting and we'll see life flowing out of areas that were dead. We'll see, we'll see joy flowing out of areas that were depressed. We'll see healing flowing from the areas that were sick. Lord, I know this is what you do. And you take pleasure in it. So thank you for visiting us today. Thank you for being with us through your word. Lord, I pray, Lord, that each person will respond with faith on the inside. Conceive something in our hearts. Let our hearts conceive the truth. We love you, Jesus. But we know that you love us even more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We say yes to you. We say yes. We'll open up the door for you. Maybe not anybody else, but we'll start with you. We'll open up with you. Because we can trust you. We can trust you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, yes, Lord. time we'll praise we'll praise your name forever we'll praise your name forever we'll praise your name forever Christ I believe the Lord planted something in y'all's heart today. I believe that he put a fountain of life in an area that you gave him access to. So let's follow through. And the way the word says it happens is it happens in your heart first, and then you confess it, right? So let's stand on our feet. I'm going to lead us in a prayer where we confess the lordship of Jesus. And I believe through our confession, salvation will come 
in every area of your life. So repeat these words after me. Say, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen. Let's thank God. Let's shout out something about him. If he's good, say you're good. If he's awesome, say you're awesome. If he's faithful, say you're faithful. Whatever he is, say it. Let's just say it. For the first time, please let us know. When I ask you to get your phone out, just send us a text. You can send a text to 77411 and text yes to Jesus. If you text yes to Jesus, we'll have a response with you. We'll have a PDF with, with uh, scriptures that can get, get you started learning the word of God, getting a strong start in your walk with Jesus. Please let us know. We also offer prayer. We have two leaders that are going to come down and pray and offer prayer for anyone who needs it. So whatever you need prayer for, if you need to come in before you leave, get prayer from one of our leaders. We'll be happy to serve you. You can also let us know on our website. Our prayer team prays for the request all throughout the week. So please let us know your request so we can join with you in prayer and support you on this journey. If you would like to give an offering, you still can. You can give online or you can give by cash and check. Our finance team will be in the back with the buckets. You can give your offering to them. And just know, guys, we love you. We have next steps happening right after we dismiss, right in the back. We're going to meet with you, share with you the vision of our church, and tell you how to get involved if you want to get more involved with Nashville Life, which we would love. We would love that. So let me pray, and we'll be done for the day. Thank you so much. Father, we thank you for your time. Lord, thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, be with us. Let, let the word continue to conceive in our hearts and let our confession match what we believe, God. And I pray in the name of Jesus that all of us have a great Christmas. Bring us back Friday for Christmas Eve if we're in town. And Lord, we just can't wait to worship you some more together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you.